You're listening to the Kaiju Apostle Podcast, a deep dive into Toho's rich history of monster films and discovering what lies beneath the surface. Whether you're a hardcore or casual fan, or somewhere in between, if you've ever thought there must be something more to these movies than people in rubber suits, then this show is for you. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to the Kaiju Apostle podcast. Thank you for my name is. What's that? Oh, no, right. (laughs) Okay. I'll just start that over again. Start over. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Kaiju Apostle podcast. My name is still David. I'm still Chris. And we are still quarantined. Yeah, but so are they, so it's okay. Yeah, well, depending on what state you live in, maybe not. Oh, gosh. Yeah, my aunt uh, My aunt was saying that the barbershop near her house was giving out haircuts. Yeah. And I was like, please don't go. Yeah, it's uh, in here in Kansas City, so the place I get my haircut at, it's appointment only. Um, you can't bring any guests. Obviously, they've got all the procedures and, you know, processes and stuff to try to keep people safe. Um, but yeah, it's very limited. So like no walk-in traffic. Yeah, they've got to be like, you got to wait in your car till it's your time for the appointment. Oh, so I'm like, meh, you know, I can make that work. So, that sounds better though. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just like a free for all. So, just walk on in and <laughs> yeah. But so, uh, yeah, a lot has happened since our last episode. Um, well, like our last official episode was with. Uh, with Jack when we did Invasion of Astro Monster. Um, I know I did a Building a Bridge episode after that and then had an update on Harlow and what's kind of been going on the past few months. But uh, this is still kind of like, I think we agreed to have like a update episode, so to speak, um, just kind of discussing what's gone on the past few months, um, apart from obviously my my story. And then uh, just kind of discussing what our plans are moving forward. Um, it was just announced uh, yesterday, though. And I don't know if you saw that, Chris, that uh, G-Fest this year has been canceled officially. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, there was a lot of criticism and it took so long for that to happen. And I think kind of the same thing with like Star Wars Celebration, right? You know, Which you're waiting been. for... Yeah, it hasn't been because, you know, with all the insurance and stuff like you're waiting for the city or the county or whoever to make that decision. Um, but obviously there was some controversy in the way that the guy who runs G-Fest, um, some of his comments, um, the last one specifically was that uh, in the same hotel, I believe um, the DNC had canceled their event. So that meant more space for G-Fest and people mm. were like, shouldn't that be a reason to like not publicize that and capitalize on that? Right. So, um, quite a, quite a bit went down there. Um, it was very unfortunate to see that. So obviously I'm excited to see that it was canceled just because minimizing risk and all that. But, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how that proceeds. Cause, uh, I know the organizers really, Really, a lot of people have lost faith in what's happened, and a lot of people are kind of wanting to see a reform and how that goes. Well, I do want to say real quick, though, yeah. that at least from what I've seen, he's working on refunding ticket prices compared to certain other um, Power Rangers-themed conventions mm-hmm. that called called your ticket payment um, memberships rather than tickets, so they're mm-hmm. not refunding. Yeah, that's not so, good. You know, he said it was going to take a while to get the refunds, which is um, understandable. But at least least there's that money back compared to to some that were like $300 that you're not going to see until um, Morphicon 2021. Mm -hmm. And that's it is, you know, talking to several people, it's less about them having not canceled yet because we get it right. I mean... Obviously, you want to be optimistic. You're going to want to think this blows over, whatever the case is. But it was just the the way he handled using his the organization's social media platform 
to espouse his own views on the matter. And I mean, in a way, it's kind of one of those things where if I say something on our Twitter account and it was pushed back, that would reflect on you too, right? So Mm -hmm. I try to be sensitive to that. I try to consider what I say on our Twitter and Instagram reflects everybody. So when you see the official G-Fest Twitter account, you know, not only... Uh, it's yeah, that's really the insensitivity to it. And then he was blocking people for having Mm. questions and concerns about it. So it was just one of those things where, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to be like, Oh, you want to support someone like you want to support the organization. You want to support the artists. Right. Um, but not so much someone who is, uh, could really use a social media manager. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Or a personal account where you can do your own crap and keep it separate. Yeah. But so yeah, it's uh past few months have been interesting. Um obviously I've been <laughs> busy uh you know, spending a lot of time in the hospital for about 6 weeks. Um and I say the hospital, the NICU. Um but really didn't do a whole lot apart from that. I can kind of get into that later. So what have you been doing, Chris, to keep yourself uh at least moderately sane? Yeah, so I, well, the first thing is that I've been like blessed and that I haven't been furloughed. And I don't say that lightly, especially even in the context of the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have been working my regular 40 hours. Some weeks have actually been a little more um, because all these bookstores are trying to open at the same time. So I've been um, really busy these past two weeks, actually looking forward to all the bookstores that I handle opening back up. And um, some that thought they were opening up that aren't. But in the meantime, I finally bought a Switch. And I used Uncle Trump's stimmy bucks for those. Um, so I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing, which we've been kind of going back and forth on. Like, wanting to play video games in a time like this. Like, what value there is, what value there isn't. And I'll just kind of sum that up by saying send me your friend codes on Twitter. And... <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, like between working and the Switch, I've been like watching all these movies. I've gotten a lot more into like bringing back, you know, I've mentioned Power Rangers before, but now with um, Shout Factory, which is tied with um, Pluto TV, has been bringing over a lot of other Toku shows. So watching um, just finished Ju Ranger from the Super Sentai. Um, starting Gosai Sentai Die Ranger, um, kind of learning a lot of similarities between the Godzilla movies, how they've shot some stuff, how they've uh, handled certain scenes, which hopefully will impact kind of some conversations moving forward in the podcast. Like, I like to think now I finally moved from like um, that guy you've been forcing to watch movies to maybe a little bit better of a conversation <laughs> partner. Yeah. And it, it's not just going to be me referencing the same two movies anymore, but hopefully um, it kind of increases the um, kind of the quality and the depth of our discussions, which yeah. is something that we've been we've been talking about a lot is um, kind of delivering like even better than we have. I mean, we've been kicking butt, obviously, but <laughs> kicking butt. We got our first one star review. Woo. That Actually, means we made it, it was it. a rating. It wasn't even a review. So it's like, uh, okay. Whatever. Part of me wants to like, I, I have no interest in tracking this guy down, but part of me wants to just know, like, was it the absence? Did I stop shipping kaijus? Is that the problem? Because I can do more of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it was, it's funny. Like I really don't care, but working in an industry, being in car sales and stuff where reviews really do matter. Of course, there's a part of me that's like, okay, like if you rated one star, like I would like to know where we could improve. But then at the end of the day, I'm like, whatever. I mean, obviously we're not relying on sponsorships and, you know, we're not having, you know, Dasani water being like, Hey, you guys got a one star review. You better keep it up or we're going to pull our, you know, our funding. Um, Right. Which, I don't even know. Does does Sony Water even exist anymore? I don't know. I just pulled like I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I haven't bought bottled water in so long. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's interesting you're getting into uh, more like the tokusatsu, like on the TV side of things, right? Because um, that was something growing up. I mean, I loved Power Rangers. I showed up to kindergarten the very first day in a Red Ranger suit, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that was my life back that's then. Amazing. And I was oblivious to the fact that it started in Japan and so much was recut, all that stuff, right? No yeah. idea. So now as an adult, I'm like, okay, well... If I had more time, if I was single and whatnot, I would probably try to get more into that kind of stuff, right? Um, but there, there definitely is a lot that you can see those similarities, obviously. And I am excited to see what could potentially intersect between what we're discussing on the podcast with these kaiju films and then obviously what you're seeing in these other tokusatsu uh, uh, shows and movies and stuff like that. Um, what's been your favorite so far? Well, um, I have been trying my best to watch some Common Rider, mm-hmm. and that's kind of it's interesting because it's, I mean, the genre is different. It's made back in '77, but as I've watched, um, the my favorite is I think everyone's favorite, and that was uh, Chojin Sentai Jetman, which is the first Sentai available on Shout Factory, but it's this hilarious like blend of. Like daytime soap romance. Like hmm. there's like not only is there a love triangle, but it's like a love quadrangle. Uh four of the five Rangers are in like some sort of romantic interest with each other. Well, I mean the three men toward the one woman. And then um, so so it's just a lot of fun campiness, and that's what's really been getting me um a lot of fun compared to like uh Common Rider Kuga was just added. And that one's like this really interesting like horror blend, this horror TV sci-fi show. And it's just been really interesting to compare um, like what horror TV in America is to horror TV in Japan. Like mm-hmm. it, the, the horror is not based on um, gore or jump scares, but it's like on body mods and like nature becoming scarier. Like is there animal themed monsters? So that's been that's been so much fun. But my favorite, not my favorite, but like thinking about what we can add to future conversations is we're doing Frankenstein soon from the Godzilla series. But also seeing how Godzilla series. Well, yeah. okay, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Compared to the way that Godzilla is used in Sentai Zhu Ranger. Like it's such a funny way to talk about the two of them. So it's going to be really funny to talk about like how we know Frankenstein and his monster and how Japan uses it. Mm-hmm. So even, I mean, just to give you a little taste of future, future episodes. The one yeah. thing that I will say is I don't, David, I know you've, you probably saw some of this, um, all this talk about Parasite being subtitled mm-hmm. and how people didn't want to watch it because it was subtitled. I will say it's been tough to watch Toku TV because you do have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. So as easy as it is to binge English shows, I like kind of have to set this time apart and watch. So yeah, I, I've learned that I could have very easily been one of those parasite trolls. <laughs> Cause I just want to text the whole time, but nope, you gotta watch. So, yeah. And I mean, I think there's a part of that though, where yes, obviously it's, I don't think it's people can't read and watch a movie at the same time. It, it is a discipline, right? It's not something that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I think a lot of people just kind of take it for granted that they had to learn how to do it too, right? Yeah. So it is a discipline you have to learn. But yeah, I mean, I get that, you know. So with Harlow, right, what I'm doing, you know, feeding wise is, you know, every three and a half hours, she bottle feeds. And then whatever she doesn't take out of the bottle, we have to put what's in what's called a G tube. So we hook up a tube to her belly where there's a little insert in there. It's called a mic key. And then you tie that up to a pump. We'll tie it up. You hook it up to a pump and then it pumps the remainder, however much milk over a period of time, you know, up until this, like right before we recorded, she's always needed to use the G tube this time around. She actually took the whole bottle. That was awesome. Took a picture. I'm like, this is freaking cool. So hopefully we can keep this going. That's so exciting. Yeah, it it is exciting. But 
And my point being is, you know, we're doing this every three and a half hours, right? So the, the bottle feeding goes, we can, we don't let her go longer than a half hour. And then I have to finish that feeding within another half hour. So that's an hour right there. But then you have, I've got to warm up the bottle beforehand. Then I've got to clean everything. So point being, it's about hour and a half worth of setup, cleanup, doing all that. And then overnight, I've got to wake up, you know, it's every three and a half hours. So there's not a lot of time for sleep. But during that time, I'm like, okay, well, I'll find something to do. So lately, I've been watching, let's say I finished King of the Monsters the other night, um, which that was the first time I've watched that in a while. And if you're interested in my thoughts there, I did leave that uh, review of my letterboxed. Um, but I'm trying to think of what else I've been watching. I mean... I've done, I watched Rogue One a few weeks ago, I uh, watched Solo, um, Hunt for the Wilder People. So I've watched different movies, right? And I've been wanting to watch more Ultraman. So I've got Ultraman, Ultra 7, Return of Ultraman. I want to watch those, but when it's 3.30 in the morning and I'm barely awake, I don't have the energy to watch and read at the same time. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't. So all that said, I get it it's not something that you know it's it's super easy and convenient like people make it out to be and i mean that is the reason why a lot of people do prefer dubs when it comes to godzilla films is you know they want to do stuff around the house they've got other stuff going and you can't really enjoy the movie if you don't understand what's being said mm-hmm. you know so so all that said i mean i get it what do you do you have other updates i know we've been trying to keep up as much as we can on twitter but yeah. Anything? Um, trying to think. Yeah. So got prescribed anxiety meds for the first time in my life. That was interesting. Uh, we'll kind of see how that goes. So I uh, developed a form. Is I think it's a parathesia is how you pronounce it, but it's called formication. So throughout the day, it's usually worse at night. Um, feels like I've got bugs crawling all over my body. And of course, there's no bugs there, but it feels like it, right? So it's a very real thing. Um, obviously, just with everything we went through, stress and anxiety just kind of set that through the roof. So after ruling out that it wasn't actual bugs and then did blood work to make sure it wasn't any autoimmune diseases, wasn't Lyme disease, um, you know, just neurological kind of stuff. Um, that's kind of why we went down the, uh, the anxiety med route. Um, but it is funny though, because about a week ago I walk into the house after doing something and I feel something on my leg and normally I just ignore it because that's my life now where I feel something crawling on me every single moment of the day. And I look down and it's a huge wasp (laughs) and I just kill that sucker. So, (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad I glad I checked in that moment. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, apart from that, I've been trying to get back into web development, um, front end kind of stuff. So, I used to build websites when I was a kid. Like, I had a uh, I had a actually a really freaking good Gundam Wing website I made. Like oh, back when yeah. you'd used to have like what's called website rings, where you'd be like in an organization and you know you could look at this ring and it would give you like ten different sites within that group right um and i was in a lot of those because i did a really good job with my website (laughs) Um, but i never stuck with it and just with this whole quarantine situation going on it's made me reevaluate um being in the car industry and how unstable it can be um so i've been trying to get back into that I've been doing a, a boot camp online and learning javascript right now which you know, HTML, CSS, pretty straightforward. Um, JavaScript is completely out of my league. I never did that when I was younger. So that's kind of been tripping me up. Um, yeah, did a Star Wars, June Star Wars movie rewatch with my son. We just did Return of the Jedi today. Um, don't think we're going to do the sequel trilogy just because like you and I were talking about the other day. Last Jedi and uh, Rise of Skywalker is just a little, I think, too intense for him. Um, especially the like the throne room scene and then just Palpatine in general. You know, not really, uh, not really on board with showing my four year old all that <laughs> quite yet. Right. So, but 
I will be I'll be interested to go and watch those myself, especially now that I've got the 4K set because everything honestly has looked great. And I've yeah. I was like eh, kind of on the fence. I mean, I've got the Blu-rays for most of them, um, but especially like uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith was gorgeous in 4K. I was blown away compared to Attack of the Clones. That movie is just mm-hmm. a hot mess. Yeah, I usually, I've said it before on the podcast even, that I don't notice soundtracks and I don't notice, like, definition. Mm-hmm. But the 4K, you really do. You can't help but notice. Yeah. Just how much better it looks. So, yeah, we both we both ended up getting the nine, the nine movie set uh, from Best Buy, which yeah. I haven't had time to go through it because... I, I love having the DVDs, but like trying to watch a DVD sometimes is a pain in the butt. Um, haven't watched any of the behind the scenes stuff, but like, not only are there, there's like nine more discs of behind the scenes stuff to watch. So yeah, it's quite it a be bit. A lot of fun. The only complaint I have about it, and this is actually legitimately the only complaint I have about it, is it is so hard to take the discs out. It's so tight. It's so tight. Yeah. yeah, I I have an even more banal complaint, which is that everything they used um, concept art on mm-hmm. the interior booklet, and I love concept art, but part of me is like, why, why not just put actual pictures of the movie? But especially because episode nine is like the picture from all of the book covers and the DVD cover. Yeah. So it seems weird. Like there's eight movies of concept art, and then just an actual piece of art on the ninth one. They should have put Which concept is, art from Duel of the Fates in there. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> like what? Finn's actual Stormtrooper Rebellion. Yeah, or like yeah. a picture of the Oracle. That would be cool. Oh, gosh. <laughs> a little that freaking spider awesome. baby. I love that one. Speaking of Star Wars, though, so Clone Wars ended. Warning, if you have not watched the newest season of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, just released on Disney+, Plus, this is a spoiler alert. Feel free to fast forward to the 31 minute, 52 second mark. Consider yourself warned. Yes. And uh, I, I know a good chunk of our listeners actually, even if they don't like the prequels or they don't like the sequel saga, I mean, it's really hard not to like the Clone Wars, right? Oh, yeah. So how did you feel about because obviously, you know, we've known about the Siege of Mandalore for a while. I think the, like the first real reference was in the Ahsoka novel. Is that right? No, may it rest in peace. Yeah. 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 Um, that, that, that book was also a hot mess. Um, oh, I just meant because, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, yes. But all the stuff about the siege was overwritten anyway. Yeah. 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 So, but, uh, so that was like the kind of the real first reference to it. So, I mean, we've known yeah. it's coming for a while. So like, how did you feel this last season? Cause most of us were familiar with the bad batch already. Cause those mm-hmm. were some of the last episodes. Um, but then going from bad batch to the, the Pike arc and then going into obviously the siege of Mandalore. How did you feel like yeah. the season was once it, fi- once it was finished? Yeah, I was a little curious why, well, there's so many questions that I have about the series. Like, why was season seven uh, released out of order was the big one. And I think they probably just wanted to put the two Ahsoka arcs next to one another. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, the Bad Batch arc didn't really speak to me because I, the the clone stories don't do a lot for me. I think that this might have been Karen Travis's fault from her Republic Commando novels, but the clone stories, like as impressive as it is that D. Bradley Baker can do so many voices for a clone, right? Like we know who he is, we know who he's playing, mm-hmm. but um, just in the past, they've been a little, kind of a little boring because I don't know if they are ready to commit to what they're saying, especially the Bad Batch, with thinking about like, are you just cogs in the Republic machine, and then they end up going to be cogs in a different part of the Republic machine uh, rather than like staging an escape or something. And I've had problems with the force four part arcs before, because sometimes they feel either way too disjointed or way too long. Yeah. Like I'm thinking, especially right now of the Onderon arc, 
Like as much as we both love Saw, I feel like that one was pretty pretty egregiously long. But yeah, just the siege. The one thing that I loved about the siege was the climax being in the third episode. Mm-hmm. It, I was almost surprised how like low key the fourth episode was. But um, by low the, key, the, you mean it just like ripped out your heart and tore it to shreds? Yeah, very well, low key. Well. <laughs> Loki, Loki is in like it didn't do the normal Clone Wars thing of having like seventeen stories going on at once. Oh, it I was know, literally just the falling action until the epilogue. Yeah. So I was shocked because like Clone Wars has some of the worst tendencies to overwrite its emotional moments like a second later, and it was so like it was amazing that they let us have a full episode of just the downturning action. As as like the ship falls and our hearts fall and our souls sink, um, yeah. But the fourth one leans so heavily into like the visual imagery, in a way that Clone Wars isn't usually committed to doing either. So I love that. But you got to think, you know, between ep- season seven, Filoni doing Rebels, right, which was a very yes. visually driven, very to where we're now. I mean, it's not the same person, right? No. And I think, yeah, I think this season benefited so much from Rebels um, because I'm Mm -hmm. someone that, and I think you may remember me saying this, like I wrote off Rebels for the longest time because it just looks super cartoony, which it is Mm -hmm. a cartoon, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's so, it seems so childish in the way that like, I won't even watch Resistance. Like I can't get myself to watch Resistance, but once I finally got into Rebels and you started getting into the Inquisitors and you started getting into like the Bendu and stuff like that, I was like, this is some of the best Star Wars material I have ever experienced, oh, yeah. hands mm-hmm. down. And that what what Filoni was able to do in those seasons definitely translated here. Because for me, I look at the Bad Batch, right? So you have four four troopers who are pretty much considered defects to a certain degree. You know, they go against the grain. They've got their own methodology and stuff like that. But ultimately, they're still soldiers, right? They mm-hmm. still answer to someone. So we see that no matter what, they still have that programming. And I think that made a complete contrast at the end of Rex, where he realized even after he had the chip removed, like he's still conditioned to think that way. But he mm-hmm. was able to make that decision in the end that the Bad Batch went have been able to right well comparing rex and ahsoka's um point of views about what they needed to do about the clones shooting at them like mm-hmm. even though rex doesn't have the chip he's still like no i mean honestly we just got to kill them they're not gonna do anything but shoot at us yeah Ahsoka's still like no i can't like both both i mean all three rex ahsoka and maul they're just so bound by their training that even in this final moment where the Sith have left Maul, the Republic and the Jedi have left Ahsoka and Rex mm-hmm. and you know, all they've all been abandoned. They still can't hold They can't, still can't let go of their ideals and having that carry over into rebels. is just, it's so amazing. But even you talk about the influence rebels has on clone wars, you see like Dryden Voss in the middle of Ahsoka's arc or talking about the syndicate or fulcrum. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, the best thing to happen this season um, was being able to be made after Rebels. Yeah. Because now all those Rebels episodes are just going to be so much, so much more deep and so much harder to watch without feeling something. Yeah. So. Yeah. And what you said to me on the phone the other day, I'm really excited to go back and watch uh, Twilight of the Apprentice, knowing mm-hmm. what happened between Maul and Ahsoka during the siege and seeing how oh, yeah. that changes things there. Um, but yeah, I guess my point being, though, is just like all these clones have that programming, right? So even with Rex having that chip removed, he was still subject to that programming. I just think if you had someone like the Bad Batch in that situation, I don't think they would have made the same decision. And that's where I look at Rex and I look at how even though they were programmed and all that stuff, they still had their own personalities, right? Mm-hmm. That's what was so interesting in all of this is by the end of the season or end of the show, you know, what started out as clones not seeming to have personalities, so to speak, they really did. You know, mm-hmm. that no matter what the uh, was done in the cloning process, they still ended up becoming their own people. So mm-hmm. that was interesting. Um, and I liked the whole middle arc, the whatever you want to call it, 
um, with the, the sisters because I think it really made Ahsoka deal with the ramifications of what what the system she was a part of, what that did, right? Yeah. The, the consequences of being a Jedi and letting certain things happen all in the name of the common good. And then we see her dealing with that as well with Maul, where it's like, okay, I'm going to make a decision that probably isn't what the Jedi would do, but I see it as being, this is what needs to happen. You yeah. know, so she's kind of moving away from this moral absolutism that the Jedi would try to present, even though when they presented that, they still were guilty themselves of being soldiers of, you know, there's mm-hmm. all this stuff. So I, I, the decisions she made and dealing with the common people the way that the Jedi don't, I saw that influencing the Siege episode episodes pretty heavily. Yeah, and the middle arc was was so good in the sense that, like, you think about um, what you would expect from religious orders in real life, mm-hmm. um, how, you know, Rafa was telling Ahsoka that, you know, when Zero tried to escape and Cad shot the ship down and killed her parents, that the Jedi were just like, well, life sucks, but you deal with it because the Force. And it's hard not to think about similar... Similar critiques of religious uh, institutions today. I'm going to keep these critiques in-house, but thinking about like um, churches that are gathering with far too big con- congregations right now, mm-hmm. thinking about like what's more important, the, dog- the dogmatics or the people. Yeah. And Ahsoka really can just sh- shed a really like sharp light on the Jedi forgot about the people. Yeah. So even though it's a slow arc the middle arc is like the first episode dealing with a power loading droid. Like the critique that it offers is so heavy that it's worth having. And if, if season seven only brought that back, it would have been worth it. But I mean, having the siege made it like so much more worth it. (laughs) Yeah. And I just realized I'm going to have to edit a uh, spoiler warning because there's yeah, some well. people who have not watched this like uh yeah, daniel, five days yeah well daniel the guy who uh who designed our new artwork and is working on our episode icons and stuff he just started watching the show so if you're listening oh, to this i he's will got seven seasons yeah he's, yeah he's on season one now so i will add a little bumper on there for everybody who uh who has not fully caught up um so yeah it's So all that said, I mean, that's what that's what's so funny to me is, you know, you look at the Star Wars media outside of the movies, whether it's the Mandalorian, Rebels, Clone Wars, some of these novels. Right. And there's so much good stuff happening. And then you get into the films and like I I don't think that they're doing a bad job. I just I think we're kind of at this point. A lot of people are like, okay, the Skywalker saga is over. Thank God. Like, Like, let's move outside of that and see what else is happening. So that's why when you see. Um, like the High Republic and stuff like that. I think this is going to be a breeding ground for some really awesome stuff. Yeah, and the thing is, I finally started getting advanced review copies of upcoming books. Okay. So for I've for got, uh, for Minoc Manor. No, for my own blog. Oh wow! Um, okay. <laughs> which is great. Um, so I have advanced copies of Poe Dameron, Freefall, Queen's Peril, and uh, Star Wars. Or I mean, sorry, Clone Wars. Stories of Good and Evil, hmm. which is such a boring title. But um, even as I'm reading these, I'm like, these are interesting. I didn't really like Queen's Shadow very much. One, because it didn't have much of a central conflict. And it it knew Clone Wars existed, yet it still felt like contradicting Clone Wars every chance it could. But um, I'm kind of reading these, and I'm like, these are great. These are fine. Alphabet Squadron 2 in June will be fun, but... I'm like ready, ready. Let's get in the High Republic. Let's just kind of leave this behind for at least a year. Let's see what else we can produce in the meantime. But yeah, how do you feel about uh, Taika being announced as a director for a new Star Wars film now? Okay, I read the perfect tweet uh, by one of my friends, Zan. He said irreverent and irreverent, but like Star Wars with something to say is exactly what we want moving forward but if it's like a quippy modern movie i'm not sure that we'd really love that so like thor ragnarok has both of that like i think ragnarok made so much fun of its own concepts that really brought a lot of new life to the movie 
but like his quippy dialogues, I don't know if I'm going to feel that in Star Wars. But yeah. like yeah. to think about the fact that he made Ragnarok, which is itself just this huge critique of imperialism and uh, the dangers of empire, thinking about what Odin did to Hela, and like once that she, once she fulfilled his purpose, and that even though she was following the trajectory of his purpose, he he dismisses her. He gets rid of her completely. Like, wouldn't that be such an amazing, like, Emperor Palpatine story, thinking about his imperialistic goals and just, like, how he dismisses Vader? So I think he's perfect in this universe. See, and I think if we went the route... So, obviously, he's had other movies apart from Ragnarok, right? So, that's what that's what's frustrating is people just, oh, they don't like Thor Ragnarok, therefore, they're like, oh, kill me now, right? So... <laughs> right. <laughs> So if you look at his actual filmography, and I'm pulling it up now because there's several films that I myself haven't seen from him, but I've seen a few. Um, so let's see what we've got here. So yeah, can I preface? Can I preface real quick that I have not? I I know there are more. I've just not seen them. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You're fine. You're fine. So obviously he's known for Thor Ragnarok, right? Um, he just did Jojo Rabbit, which I didn't bother seeing that. I just didn't really have any interest in that. Um, and I know he did a movie he wrote, and I think he directed as well, a movie called Boy. Um, he did Eagle vs. Shark back in the day. He was a writer on Flight of the Concords. Um, oh, heck yeah. But for me, what he really stands out for is A... What We Do in the Shadows, which is a phenomenal movie. It's absolutely hilarious. But more than just the comedy, Hunt for the Wilder People, I it's it's in my top, like, I don't know what my top five movies are, but I know it's in there. I know Hot Rod's <laughs> number one. But um, Hunt for the Wilder People, like, I see that as, like, it's got good comedic elements, it's shot well, but it really does a good job of building a what starts as a dysfunctional relationship and ends as a dysfunctional relationship, but there's a lot of growth. There's a lot of development there. So I could see him doing a film where it's focused on one character and maybe kind of a strained relationship with like a Jedi master. Right. And there's, you know, maybe in the mid, I don't know. There's, there's, there's things I could see him doing like a more intimate star Wars movie and doing mm-hmm. a really good job with that. So yes, I know people have this like hate boner for Marvel movies, but <laughs> yeah, if seriously. you look past that and you look at the other stuff that he's done, he is very talented. He's got people that's going to work with him. And unlike, you know, we had like Lord and Miller. I mean, he's already worked with Lucasfilm and Disney before. I mean, he directed mm-hmm. the last uh, episode of the Mandalorian, which was one of my favorite episodes out of the whole season. Yep. So, I know he's going to be fine, but I just mm-hmm. think we need to get over this whole, I don't know, there's, yeah, there's just this weird subsection of film Twitter, um, and even in the Godzilla fandom, like I said, it's, I think a hate boner is probably, like, the best way to put it, and I get you don't like Ragnarok, I do, but one person in particular, you know who you are, and I love you, but you seriously, I've told you to watch Hunt for the Wilder People so <laughs> many times, and I think if people watch that movie, they would realize that he does have something he could offer because I mean, even like on IMDb, you know, you're looking at, um, which for IMDb, you know, a 7.9, right? So usually Mm -hmm. you have films that get tanked pretty hard. Um, overall it's like 81 on Metacritic. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a really good movie. Plus Sam Neill, you know, from Jurassic park, you actually get to hear him Mm. use his, uh, New Zealand accent. So that's a lot of fun. Funny. Yeah. I think, I think the thing is, um, one of the things that'll help is that with if you look at the Thor franchise, I, I know that's not really appropriate, but like the first two are Lord of the Rings Light. They try to be these epic tales. They're epic in scope, soundtrack, operatic. It's all this fantasy. And then Ragnarok comes in and changes the tone completely. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I think something like that would actually be pretty good for Star Wars. Because there's a lot of constraints on how the tone is going to change. Like, the climax of Taika's Star Wars can't be the Immigrant Song. Like, yeah, it's going to still have to be. So there are going to be certain things that keep it well within the tone of Star Wars. Compared to um, 
Like, if you look at Thor 2 to Thor 3, it's a huge shift in tone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're getting into the Godzilla movies that have huge shifts in tone. Yeah. And there's no constraints on those. If they want Godzilla to start T-posing or dabbing in Godzilla versus King Kong, nothing stops that. So, Star Wars, I think, can control <sighs> that tone a little bit more. <laughs> no, I can't get that out of my head. Um, a little Godzilla dabbing. Well, yeah. it'd probably be um, Godzilla Jr. dabbing. Yeah, he's doing the TikTok dance. Oh my God, I'm doing the next Godzilla movie. <laughs> okay, so since we are a, a Godzilla podcast, maybe we move to that before we uh, finish up, and we can do some like recommendations. Um, so obviously, the whole movie industry right now is in flux right i think the only movie that's done well is uh trolls world tour or whatever the crap it's called um and who knows the ramifications on all of that so with godzilla vs kong you know it's still scheduled to come out november 20th of this year no trailer there are fans that are freaking out um their life's lives are ending I, i i feel bad um but I get it. I mean, it's something you're super excited about. It's disappointing that's got pushed back a few times. I'm not here to make a judgment call. I just kind of, I would like to talk to you, figure out some other things that we get you invested in your life to, to get your mind off of this. Um, but are you familiar at all with like the, uh, the director or any of the actors or anything in there? Uh, Eleven's in it, isn't she? Yeah. I mean, she was in King of the Monsters, but yeah, she's in there. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been allowed to see it. Yeah. Um, the parental lock that David put on my Blu-ray blocks any Godzilla that I haven't seen yet. Um, You're not supposed to say anything about that. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, yeah. I know, um, I think Brie Larson was in the first King Kong movie. She might be back. No, that was set in the Vietnam War. Oh, well, she could just be old now, right? Yeah, because, you know, that would look really good. Um, (laughs) So so, the answer is no. I know Eleven. I know Godzilla. He's probably playing himself, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he does not have a stunt double this time. Shoot. So the reason I bring that up is because this is such a complex movie for me. So I have not been shy about my feelings about King of the Monsters, which again, if you'd like to read that review, cause I'm not going to post it on Twitter. Um, you just go to letterbox. My, my username's tipper bean fad T I P P E R B E A N F A D. Um, I rated it a two and a half out of five. I mean, it's a fun movie. Um, have some issues with it for sure. But so the director is Adam Wingard. So he has directed a a couple different films that you might be familiar with, um, like VHS, uh, You're Next. Um, He did um, the Death Note movie, I think. Yeah, he did the the Death Note movie here recently. Um, Oh, no. I mean, so the thing is, he's had some really critically acclaimed films, and he's had some that the fans were not a fan of. Um, I'm less concerned about the director, right? You can have a pretty great director, but if the writers aren't good, you're, you're not, you're not set up for success. Um, Mm -hmm. then you can kind of have a ho-hum director, but if you've got the right material, the right actors and you know, we'll see. So like Mm -hmm. I'm looking here and I'm conflicted because one of my biggest complaints about King of the Monsters is you had... Michael Dougherty, who is a self-proclaimed Godzilla fan, right? Um, He was director and was writing as well. And I think that's kind of a conflict of interest, in my opinion. I'm sure there's examples you could, you know, show me that would prove me wrong. But sometimes I feel like you kind of need to be distanced from that. Um, So, like, I look at the writing and you've got, you know, um, you've got Max Bornstein, who he helped write the Godzilla um, 2014 film as well. I think he did the graphic novel too. I can't remember. Hmm. Um, But then you have like Terry, Terry Rossio um, where he was a writer on like the original Aladdin, original pirates of the Caribbean um, Shrek uh, deja vu. I mean, there's, he's got a very versatile um, 
he, he's got a lot of different movies under his belt. Um, he even was a writer on uh, the 98 Godzilla. Um, looks like um, I'm looking here. He may have also been in. Um, why am I missing this here? Like the uh, the new Lone Ranger. So it's like it's kind of hit or miss there. I'm not really super excited by that. Um, what I'm less excited about is the fact that Michael Dougherty helped with the writing here as well. Um, and then you also have Zach Shields where he helped. He was, he's kind of like Michael Dougherty's right hand man. It seems like, um, he did a Krampus, which Michael Dougherty, uh, directed. He also did, you know, King of the Monsters. Um, and apart from that, he doesn't really have a whole lot under his belt. So like, the things I had issues with, I'm kind of concerned about with this film as well, because I don't feel like it's correcting those things. But then acting wise, I mean, you have um, Julian Dennison, where did you watch Deadpool 2? Yeah. Okay. So I didn't watch, I haven't watched any of them, um, but he was the the younger kid in there. Um, he's also okay. in for the Wilder People. That's where I know him from. Um and then you have Lance Reddick, which if you watch The Wire, he's on there. I know him from Fringe. Um, that's probably my favorite role. And I know he does a voice for one of the characters on Destiny. Um, and then you have uh, Brian Tyree Henry, who I'm the most excited for him um, because he's done a couple different awesome roles. So he's the dad on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, but he's also one of the lead characters on the TV show Atlanta. Um, and if you've never watched that, that is an absolutely incredible show. Um, Guilty. But so I bring that up because obviously a lot of people are like, Hey, we want a trailer. We want a trailer. There's been a three second, you know, Godzilla and Kong kind of coming against each other. So of course, three seconds means YouTube personalities turn into a 40 minute video. Um, I'm really. Well, we know it's going to end with a kiss. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's why they cut it down. <laughs> well, so you say that though, right? You say that, but they did just announce a kids book that's going to be coming out, and it's uh, it's got a very interesting title. Um, I did not have it pulled up here, unfortunately. Um, okay, here we go. So Godzilla vs Kong. Sometimes friends fight but they always make up after. Hmm. So I don't know if you're entirely wrong with your theory there. Wait, what's, did you say make up or make out? I can't, I can't See, remember. That's the thing. They say make up, but you know, that, you could probably interpret that a couple different ways. I feel like I wouldn't want to read that. Like I could see reading Gojira, like the novelization of Gojira, but like if it's anything like the 14, what would the book say? And he stopped and he stopped and he kept stopping. Yeah. Okay. Well, you see, it's for, it's a kid's book, right? So it's, it's coming out October 20th. It's going to be 10 bucks. We hope. Um, the description says making new friends isn't always easy for kids. That's equally true for two giant monsters where small misunderstandings can easily blossom into enormous conflicts. Godzilla verse. <laughs> oh, come on ads. Godzilla vs Kong. Sometimes friends fight but they always make up after provides tips on how to be a good friend by using these two behemoths to show young kids how to behave in familiar situations, but on a much larger scale. So, (laughs) so my next YouTube video is going to be, how did, how did Godzilla go from nuclear critique to helping kids make friends? Conflict resolution for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I bring all of that up just Larry. because obviously the, the movie industry is in flux right now, right? So my question for you is, do you see the movie still coming out in November? And what would you suggest? So imagine, imagine Rise of Skywalker is supposed to come out, right, mm-hmm. this year. And this is before we knew anything about it. Coronavirus, COVID-19, movie theaters aren't opening up. It's kind of mm-hmm. is Star Wars going to come out? So imagine yourself in your shoes. What would you say to the fans that are feeling a little stressed, bummed, sad, whatever word you want to use? What would be your advice to someone like that? Because, you know, I, I bring all that up. I'm not personally excited for the film. 
as much as mm-hmm. I'd like to be. I feel like I got let down with last year's movie, but I would like to take this as an opportunity, even if I'm not excited for it. Like what, what would you say to people who are excited and are disappointed that we haven't got a trailer yet and the movie might not come out this year? Cause this is, I think the third time it's been pushed back. Yeah. Well, the first thing that I'd say is that it's not new mutants, which you should have seen five times by now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think I think there's such this difficult position that I, in if you had not brought in the Star Wars analogy, I don't know if I would have think thought this way. But I think there's a difficulty when we look for this stuff as escapism. We look at this stuff to entertain us because, you know, on one hand, most people see this as like a two hour long movie, and they leave the theater and they don't think anything else about it. Like, the youth pastor that I was working with this year for youth group, he saw Rise of Skywalker. He said five minutes later he couldn't really remember a lot of it. And I'm like, well, you didn't pay enough anyway. Um, <laughs> like that tweet like, I posted the other day. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just like they don't think uh, – most people don't think much about these movies. But it, for people like us, the the two-hour movie gives us, you know – a year's worth of conversations, a year's worth of think pieces and entertainment. So I don't want to devalue that people get a lot of extra value from this. And I mean, what I'd probably want to say is like, be thankful they're not pushing this that as an on-demand release. Like Trolls 2, you probably didn't need to see on the big screens. But this one, as someone who hasn't seen the single Godzilla on the big screen, I'm sure I'm missing something. But... In terms of waiting for a trailer or any new content, I, I I think you know there's probably a lot of Godzilla movies that you can remine for content, remine for entertainment. Um, I don't mean to sound like a dick when I say this, but other Toku shows, other Toku movies, you could get invested in, in the meantime. Like not to say get a hobby, nerds, but just to say like there is a lot that you could be experiencing that you could use this time to experience or to kind of get to know now while you wait for the movie but the worst thing any of us can do is like dwell on any of this dwell on what we're missing out on dwell there's lamenting it but then there's like getting pissed and not letting it go uh, i mean for me like i i make fun of marvel movies all the time but i'm butts in the seat thursday of release week every single movie mm-hmm. like i should have seen black widow last weekend right um was it supposed to come out last weekend i am so out of the loop with that yeah, I think it was. I think it was supposed to be last. I believe. I'm not sure. Either either last weekend or sometime this month. But uh, I think the good news is Disney has only pushed it to November. Yeah. So hopefully by November, if we don't have a vaccine, we might know what it's like to do practice social distancing at a movie theater. However, they want to do that. But there's part of me that just says like, you know, Universal. It's one thing for like Star Wars to not be released because that's probably a huge cash cow for Disney, but whoever's making the new Godzillas, I don't know if they see that as the same financial boon, so they might just keep saying push it until more people can see it. Yeah, you know, and I think that's something that we have to put into perspective as fans. And I say, obviously, you're what I would consider a newer fan, right? This is pretty new for you. Mm Um, but for a lot of us, you know, like we, we've invested years and years and years into that. But the thing is just because we feel so strongly about that doesn't mean the general populace does. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the reason why when Kong Skull Island came out, more people probably think favorably on King Kong than they do Godzilla because, you know, the 1933 film is, is this classic, the Peter Jackson version. I mean, plenty of people want to see that. You know, and he's an American monster. So I say all that because it's like, it's not that it's wrong to be sad about it. It's not wrong to be upset and disappointed for sure. You know, um, my, and obviously I brought up Star Wars because that's a little bit closer to home for you. Um, I just think we have to remember in the grand scheme of things here, like the movie is going to come out. They've invested all this time in there. It is going to come out. And you're right. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I think when we look at what Godzilla is and 
the grand scheme of pop culture and stuff like that is it's just it's still so niche so the investors are probably going to be more concerned to write about like how do we get more people to see this because this isn't necessarily a movie that the general moviegoer is going to rush to go see whereas no. star wars i mean that's just it's a cultural phenomenon there's there's no way around it marvel is a cultural phenomenon i mean there'd always been comic book movies you know because i mean that's that's been a thing for years but the marvel cinematic universe just did something that no one else has managed to do and that's why it's run away with this whole trend of trying to do a shared universe so Mm -hmm. um yeah, I think, you know, finding other things to invest your time in. You know, there's plenty of other... I mean, it's a, like, Ultraman renaissance right now with all this stuff going on. Um, you know, the new Gamera box set is coming out in July. Um, you know, there's there's just countless other things that we can do to occupy our time and not let ourselves get so dragged down. And at the end of the day, if it gets released on Netflix, it gets released on Netflix. You know, at I least mean, it's released. But yeah, e- exactly. You know, I wouldn't say it's going to be a matter of like the uh, the Cloverfield paradox, where it's like, okay, this movie's a heaping pile of crap, and we're going to drop it off on Netflix to try to save money. I think it's going to be something where, if it ends up being okay, well, we can't just afford to keep pushing this off, but you feel confident in the product. Yeah, you're going to find a way to do it, and that might be it. But you're right. At least we'll get it. At least we'll still be able to have the same conversations. Maybe, maybe we don't go to the movies with our friends like we're used to, but I mean, who knows, you know, they've, they put Endgame back into theaters. Who's to say mm-hmm. that they can't do that for a limited run, you know, put Godzilla right. vs Kong back in theaters for the people who missed out. So I just bring all that up because a lot of the fan base is younger and, it's very easy for us older folk to look at these younger kids and judge them and critique them and kind of be like, well, how could you be so immature? Like life's so much more than that. And I would say for the most part, most of these people know that. Right. Oh yeah. No one's, no one's thinking that Godzilla is all there is. Well, that would be no, no. I, I, I need to clarify. There are, unfortunately, I have seen people where it's like, oh no, and, and that's obviously a completely different conversation in itself. But yeah, I mean, I think we all have things that we really care about. So I just, I don't want to punch down. Right. That's kind of no. my my point here. Is it's easy to do that. It's easy to look at people who are getting upset. But I'm like, you don't know what this movie means to that person. Maybe, you know, they saw King of the Monsters with their parents and their dad passed away afterwards and they were looking forward to seeing it. Right. You know, there's all these different things that we don't know. So that's why I kind of want to at least take a moment to be like, Hey, what could we do to try to alleviate or offer some encouragement? Cause I mean, I may not be Mm -hmm. super excited about the movie, but just because I'm not excited about it doesn't mean that someone else isn't. And I can imagine it sucks having to wait. So, well, and let's just, let's just be real for a second in general that like, I I think we've kind of forgotten that we've all like the virus has like for all of us has made life so much more difficult. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you know, in one specific way, more than one specific way, but like we've all seen delays across the boards. Like, um, just in the circles that I run in, you got Black Widow delayed, which delays every Marvel movie. You've got um, some books that, you know, at work are delayed because of China. Um, people who are in the fountain pen communities I'm in, they don't get their pens because they're not shipping. Like, we're all losing stuff in this virus. And the last thing you want to do is make fun of someone else for lamenting that. Because yeah. one, you're kind of being a jerk. But two, like... The sense, the fact that they have like the ability to lament, the b- fact that they have the ability to feel that, is actually like a more human reaction to just like shrugging everything off. Like if you can just keep shrugging off, well, life, life was delayed again. Life was delayed again. Oh well. Like you're kind of robbing yourself of something. So I don't, I don't want to poop on people who are sad that the virus might delay it again because we all need to learn how to re lament when stuff like this happens. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind of sound like Walter Brigham on there. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, we are getting close to an hour here. We were talking about, hey, do we even have enough stuff to talk about? <laughs> but I don't know why we ever asked that question. I know. 
I know. But so next episode, the goal is still to get back into Frankenstein Conquers the World. Um, we will have uh, our friend Michael Hamilton joining us for that. Um, I don't, we're, we're trying to reevaluate. So this is where we'll end here is talking about the podcast moving forward. Um, kind of reevaluating because my schedule is very hectic, just not a lot of time to do stuff like this. Um, and then you're working from home right now. And, you know, I'm supposed to be starting work next week. So what is life going to look like when I start work and then having to still do these feedings overnight? So there's a lot of parts still moving around. But our goal is to get back and kind of like a biweekly, you know, releasing episodes. Um, I will say on my end, I'm going to have to press pause on the whole building a bridge series. Um, I did really enjoy doing that. But that's just extra work I do not have time for right now. Um we did cancel our Patreon. Um, so what I will be doing is in the next month or two, I'm going to be uh, overhauling our website. Um, hopefully I'm going to try to build it myself. Um, but if I don't, I'm going to have like all the show notes and stuff on the website. So if you have any, you want to kind of follow along or, you know, see some of the stuff that didn't make this episode, you can check it out there. Um, but yeah, our, our goal really is to get back on track here. Um, over the next, uh, really hopefully start releasing episodes again bi-weekly. Um, but we may have to cut out a few things like, uh, questions and whatnot that we have been doing just for the sake of time, um, until maybe we, cause it's even right now I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, I've got to get my son down for a nap. Right. So it's, it's a bit, a bit hectic over on my end, but yeah, I think uh, I think this is a good place to end. Do you have any thoughts before we go, Chris? No, just want to say, you know, excited to get back into it. Excited to be able to talk with David again. Excited to um, feed your ears with more of my amazing thoughts. And <laughs> on shipping, on shipping, not the movies. And um, yeah, so thanks to everyone for sticking around. Uh, the amount of support that we saw. Um, when I was handling the accounts over Lent was amazing. Uh, very frequently when I would put up a post, it would be like my phone was just like unusable for the next two hours because of comments and messages and likes. And um, I was like, I probably have a text message in there, but I can't find it anymore. <laughs> so um, thanks. Thanks, everyone, for all your support over these two months for David. And um, thanks for being helpful to me messaging me directly when you wanted me to see a message. Uh, just so thankful for that and thankful for everyone who's been such a huge part of everything going on. But yeah, ready to get back into the movies and some of that more uh, light chicanery. Yep. Yeah. And I'll, I'll echo that. I mean, I've said that several times, whether on the last episode that I did about Harlow or just on the Twitter page, I mean, the support that we received has been awesome. Um, obviously the fact that you guys have stuck with us in the meantime, that means a lot. Um, definitely just want to give another shout out again, um, specifically to, uh, to G man for getting, I mean, he's been promoting that, uh, that GoFundMe more than I have. I didn't even ask him to, um, mm -hmm. that that's helped out a lot. We've had actually a few donations come through that way. Um, the monster vs. men podcast, I know they've shouted, um, that whole situation out as well. I mean, there's there's countless people I could thank because um, it's been a very traumatic period in my life. Um, I'm confident I'll be dealing with this for a very long time. Um, but we're home. We're healthy. We're happy. We're just exhausted. So, again, we, we really do appreciate you guys sticking this out and being there for us and, you know, being uh, really just an awesome part of this. Uh, well, awesome community to be a part of. Um, so yeah, we, we look forward to getting back into the films in the meantime. Um, if you guys have anything, I don't know. Um, yeah, let's go ahead. Well, if you've got any questions for the, uh, we'll take a few for the Frankenstein Conquers the World. Send them over uh, via Twitter, Instagram, uh, email. You can do contact at the kaijuapostle.com. Um, we're not going to be able to do as many as normal, but we'll take a few. I think that would be mm. fun. So let us know if you have any questions you want us to answer on air, and uh, we will catch you next time. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Kaiju Apostle Podcast. If you liked what you heard, don't be a stranger. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Kaiju Apostle Pod. 
To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, you can subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Lastly, we do have a Patreon page where we have some great perks, including early access to the episodes, show notes, and the ability to have your voice recordings featured on the show. Again, we appreciate the support, and we look forward to hearing from you. Yep. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. David walked away, so I want to tell you about the Jetman Love Quadrangle. There's the Red Ranger, the Black Ranger, who they themselves fought together. Oh, he's back. Sorry, Jasper was tri- whatever bouncing around upstairs. I needed oh. to make sure he wasn't going to be staying up here. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> what did you say after you could be one of those parasite trolls? Nothing of substance, I don't think. Okay, so I can probably cut it off there. Okay. Yeah, you probably should when you yeah. listen to what I was saying when you were gone. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of jump in what you're saying there.